Good morning. It's good to be back and it's good to see all of you here. Just to give you a little rundown, we're not going to continue in Genesis this morning. I'm going to take a break. I'm looking forward to going through it again. I'm loving the series, but I wanted to talk a little bit about this trip and some things that are going to be upcoming in the year. So uh, we're going to pause in that series. Uh, I flew down Wednesday to uh, Cabo San Lucas. I didn't get to see Cabo San Lucas. I saw the airport. It's not that great. Kind of funny story. We, we had someone meet us there because we had to go from the airport to La Paz, which is about two hours away, and we needed to get on a certain bus to get there. And so they sent one of the pastors from La Paz down to the airport to meet us there so we could get to the bus station and get on the right bus. And so we got to the airport, and on the airport with me was uh, two other people, Marvin and Garçon, who were also going to the conference in La Paz. We got out of the airport. We met Luis, who was meeting there. Hey, we said hello, hola. And, and then we put, you're going to hear my Spanish throughout this, all five words. And, and then we, we got the luggage onto the truck, and we were saying hello. We got in the truck, and we went out the gate, and then we turned left. And then we turned left again, went in another gate, and we were at the bus station. We could have walked there, but I don't know. We, we drove not even a tenth of a mile. It, we, we Literally, the bus station was connected to the airport. We could have just walked through, but we I don't know. I, I don't know. So we got on our bus, traveled two hours to La Paz. I stayed in La Paz till Sunday, and then Monday we drove to Vizcaino, and I met the team that was there uh, from Genesis uh, when, or Monday, and we left Friday morning. And so I, I've been to the tip of Baja to California in, in that 10 days. Um, I got to enjoy communion with the people in La Paz as well as with the people in Vizcaino. I say that to let you know that tonight is our love feast. On the flyer, it shows the one for next month because... We got the flyers early, which is a miracle. Anyway, I just wanted you to appreciate those things. And so tonight, I would love to kind of complete this circle, have communion with my brothers and sisters in La Paz, with those in Vizcaino, and with my family here at Genesis. Uh, you know, this is a time where we enjoy each other's company, that's the whole idea of communion. It's community. It's that idea of interaction with each other. We sit down, we eat, and we always eat well, and we always eat too much. So if you're into either of those things, um, I encourage you to be there. And, and then we also have a time where we'll just pray. Some of the things that are we'll have, I don't know if we have the list of things here to, signed up or put in the barrel, um, but we will have some prayer requests there at the time where we lift up and pray. And then we also remember the Lord's sacrifice for us in communion. And it's been a rich time every time that we've been there. And so you're all invited. It'll be hard to fit in the building if you all show up, but we'll make it happen somehow if you did. So I hope you see, see you there tonight at five o'clock, the love feast. And if you want to bring something, please do. I don't know. Is there a sign up in the back for the love feast? Nope. Yes, there is. Is there anything on it? Not yet. 
that's always the case. I don't know what it is with you guys. You never sign up, but you always bring a ton of food. Maybe you're like me. It's like, I don't know what I'm getting, and then you get it. But anyway, so I know there will be food there, even though there's nothing on the list, so don't panic, okay? And hopefully you can come on down. Again, it's a very casual time. I don't teach a Bible study or anything. Uh, we'll definitely share some things as we go into uh, remembering the Lord's table, but hope to see you there tonight. Okay, let's pray as we continue and get started. Father, you are always at work. And Lord, your desire is always to work through people. You have created us in your image and given us the ability to represent you like nothing else in creation. And so, Father, as you are working, may we be aware of what that work is and may our lives align to the work that you are doing and wanting to do within and through us. I thank you for our opportunity to gather together and pray that we would be encouraged and, Father, that you would use this time to enrich our lives and our relationship with you. For we do pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, I went down to La Paz. La Paz is beautiful. It's a beautiful community there on the the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and the peninsula is so small at that point where you're actually, I think it's on the Sea of Cortez that we're at. I don't know. I just flew there. I I didn't look at a map. And, And it's not a tourist town like Cabo is. It's much more, you know, just the local people that are there, but it's a little bit more affluent than Vizcaino. Vizcaino is a farming town, and, and La Paz, they actually walk their dogs, where Vizcaino, there's just dogs. You know what I mean? It's kind of a different thing where they actually have dogs that are pets in La Paz and walking, and I thought about that because I, I could train those dogs. And, and so it's a different environment. It was our first time going. This this conference that we did in La Paz was actually the growth from what we've been doing in Vizcaino. We've been going to Vizcaino for six years now, and this was the first time that we actually did another conference. This conference grew out of some of the pastors that were there in Vizcaino actually lived in the La Paz area. Now, get this. They would travel 10 hours by car to get to the conference in Vizcaino. That's how much they wanted to be a part of the conference. Okay, so it just shows you kind of the heart of of this people. And one of the things that I experienced in this trip was a a deeper appreciation for the people in Mexico. And, And I don't know how to explain it, just more insight into some of the people that I really just uh, fell in love with. And so these pastors were traveling for six years, 10 hours there. Of course, then there's 10 hours back because that's the way it goes, you know. And so they would travel, spend some days in these terrible hotels, really, not very, maybe a one star, some are two star. You might get a two and a half star. It depends on the room, you know, of that hotel kind of a thing. Um, Well, actually, some are three star too now, so just a little... For you guys who might want to go next year, there are three-star hotels. Um, would that be would the 
Kama, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Would that be a three star, John? You think that's a three star? No? Okay, two. Um, <laughs> in Vizcaino, it's three, okay? In Vizcaino, it's a five star. Um, but anyway, they would travel this journey just to be at this conference, and then they said, you know what? We have enough people in La Paz. If you want to do a conference, we can do one here. I'm going to sneeze, maybe. <coughs> yes. God bless you, too. Um, and, and so they said, Let, if you're willing, we'll do a conference there. And so Bill sent out a request to the pastors who could make it. I said, yeah, I'd love to go. And they had 133 people for the first time at this conference. They put on everything. They put on the you know administration sign-up, put out the flyers to get people there. They did the music with one of the guys from Rosarito, um, they did the food, all the food down there. And there was this group of, of young kids, probably about five of them, really took on this task. And it was incredible. For the first time, they did an incredible job. And it was a wonderful time just with all those pastors. They were really receptive. They enjoyed it. And they asked us to come back. So it's our plan to do this again, like we do Vizcaino. And so it's spreading. And after... Our time there and sharing, uh, we got to spend time with some of the people because the conference ended on Friday, I think. It ended. I don't They're all in there right now. And then on Sunday, I know it was Sunday, we got to go to a couple of different churches. They asked some of the pastors to speak. They didn't ask me, um, but they asked other pastors to speak. <laughs> it's okay. I, I'm over it now. Um, and so it was great connecting with the, the different pastors that were there. And I want to share some things that really uh, touched me. These young adults that put this on, I got to have dinner with them. I actually went to uh, their church on, in the morning and in the evening, uh, and then another church as well. And I got to talk with them. And it was great because one of the guys came up to me and he, he encouraged me. He said, I, I listen to you on your podcasts, and I really like that. And I'm like, sweet, podcasts in La Paz, they're making it. You know, like, hey, how neat is that? And, and I didn't know it, but the things that I shared at, in the conference were really applicable to him in the situation that he's in. And I'm going to share some of those things this morning as well. And then I got to go out and have dinner with these uh, five young people, as well as with Bill, Bill and myself. And it was one of those things where you, you just see potential. And, and I saw these five people, and they're gifted. One of the young ladies is actually a translator. I don't know her story, where she went to school, but she actually translated during the conference. She speaks English better than me. Um, yeah, I got over that too. And they all spoke a little bit of English, some better than others, but they are all committed to seeing the work of God take place in their city and their church and wanting this to happen. And they're just open to what God wants to do. And it inspired me. As we were going through La Paz, I had all these ideas, you know, and it's kind of a traditional place. And I'm not really a traditional kind of a guy. And so... As it was going, I was saying, you know what? This city could just explode with something non-traditional. And I was just thinking all these 
thoughts. I was thinking, you know, rent a club, get a DJ, and then have some talks that are totally off the charts and not churchy. And no one has to wear the suit and tie and have some real kicking music and do this like a series maybe for a month. And I'm going, this is all going to my head where we're driving, you know, we're driving, I'm just like, buzzing. And then I also felt, you know what, before you think about that, you need to finish some things here. There's more that you need to do in Upland because I want this to be kicking before we go kick somewhere else. And so I just had all these ideas, and, and there we have a couple of things in mind to do, continue in Mexico, in Baja, and I wanted to let you know about these things. In March the 14th, that weekend, we are planning on going down to the Rosarito area. There is a new conference center. It used to be an orphanage that was just given to Victor and Sonia, who we as a community sponsor each month to do work down in the Baja area. And so they just got this, so we're going to go and help them out. We've done this a few times. We call it an advance. We're going to go and have an advance where we want the young people to get together and we're going to put you to work uh, to do whatever needs to be done down there. I know some of you older people saying, I want to go too. And so maybe you'll be able to. I don't know. We're going to work those details out. But we do want to have an opportunity for the young people to get together and serve together and get to know each other. And so uh, that's a plan in March, March 14th. This is our third advance that we'd be doing. And, and it's something that we want to start doing more regularly. Also, I'm hoping to, at the end of or the early part of April, before it gets real hot in the pause, go and do uh, maybe something down there. I don't know yet. I need to talk to the people. It's just an idea. It seemed like a good time, maybe a weekend to go down there. And it would be great if some of you wanted to go down there and just see the place and meet some of the people there. I'd love to connect as many of us with them as possible um, to see how that relationship can develop in the future. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just want to lean into this. Uh, as well as I was invited uh, to possibly go in November uh, to a men, do a men's conference down in La Paz. So that's, those are possibilities where we as a community might be involved. And I say we as a community because what took place in Vizcaino um, wasn't just me. I'm the only one from Genesis who went to La Paz, but all of you are represented in me. I know that makes you feel scared. Uh, but not only that, when we went to Vizcaino, uh, we had our team. All of you guys who were in Vizcaino, could you stand up? All of you who went, who are here this morning. Yay. I know there's a few that aren't here. Thank you, guys. They did an incredible job. Once again, um, could someone, Alex, could you turn the air on? Thank you. I don't want you falling asleep or passing out. <laughs> Those things, I get very sensitive about that. Um, the team did an amazing job. We've been doing this for six years. We go and take care of all the food for the conference in Vizcaino. And I was concerned that there was going to be less people in Vizcaino because of the people in La Paz not coming, because there's about 15 pastors who came from La Paz, and they weren't going to be there this year. But it seemed like those spots just got filled up because it was just as busy. In fact, Wednesday night, I, or Thursday, and one of the, Wednesday night was 
packed. There was probably 180 people there or something. I mean, it was just a lot of people there, and it was a great time. And so we feed all the people. We feed them Tuesday for lunch. We actually make a little bit of a breakfast Monday or Tuesday morning. Feed them uh, dinner. We feed them breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Wednesday. We feed them breakfast and lunch. We prepare, and then they take care of the dinner on Thursday night. Um, I mean, all totality, we probably spend $5,000 in that trip going down to Vizcaino, just so you know. And we do that for free. We don't charge anything. The conference is free to all the pastors. We're, we're talking about people who are farm workers and running churches. And so they, they are fishermen and have or pastoring churches. And so they work a full work week that's hard work. And then they go and serve the people of God in trying to help them. And so we're just coming alongside to try and encourage them. And in one of the talks as I was sharing... I talked about you guys. Don't worry. It was good. And I shared what we're doing in Haiti, and I haven't checked the totals yet. I know we're up close to $19,000 that we've raised for the cafeteria in Haiti. And I was sharing with the people the need to get others involved because you can do more together than you can alone. And these pastors, many times, they try and do everything and trying to help them understand and recognize how to get other people involved in their ministries. And as I shared with them what we were doing in Haiti and how it was our community that's taking this on and making a difference, after I spoke, one of the little pastors... It's nice to be able to say someone's littler than me. One of the, the pastors, who is just a small guy, uh, again, looked like a farm worker, came up to me and gave me 700 pesos and said, this is for the cafeteria in Haiti. I just lost it. I, I just was weeping. It just touched my heart. And I couldn't say no because this was a gift. And it was just showing the extension of the body of Christ. And... You know, when we have in our hearts and minds to do the work of God, many times if we can just let people know what it is that we are wanting to see take place, people are looking for something to get involved with. They're looking for something to do. And when they see the work of God taking place, they say, I want to be involved with that. And so that is our desire is to see the work of God take place in our midst, to hear and, and do those things. Because again, the way God moves is through people. Michael did a great job last week and, and sharing that, you know, if you hear something, don't say, well, you should do that or, or Michael should do that or, or, you know, Ted should do that or Sam should do that. You know, it was, no, if God's put that on your heart, that's for you. And we are to recognize that responsibility that we have as members of the body of Christ to move forward as these things are impressed on us. And so it's great to see that and try and give that vision to people. And that's what we want to kind of look at here a little bit this morning. If you have a copy of the scriptures, open it to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Wanting to involve people and uh, get us all on the same page. We're having the musicians uh, get together this next month. I also plan on doing three leadership 
uh, meetings throughout the year, times where we can get together. Anyone who wants to you know, be involved with Genesis or has ideas for Genesis or wants to commit themselves more, we're going to have three opportunities for you to kind of get and hear some of the things that are at our core value uh, in Genesis. We're actually going to touch on the core values after our Genesis series. Um, but in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is in Ephesus, who, who's taken on this task to, to be a pastor. Paul was, had to leave Ephesus because they were trying to kill him, we see in the book of Acts. And so it's a city that is filled with pagans and has some hostility to those who are of the Christian faith because they wanted to make idols and the Christian faith was taking away this work, basically saying, well, idols are useless, you don't need them. But the people who made idols didn't like that because all their TV ads, the Shamwell idol and all that stuff were like going down the drain. And so they were opposing Paul and now Timothy is left there. And Paul throughout this letter is correcting, encouraging, and trying to help Timothy understand. In verse 11 it says, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Continue in verse five or chapter 5. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. And then we'll, go, we'll stop right there, actually, before we continue. Paul is telling Timothy, first of all, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Timothy is probably in his 30s. He had been with Paul for almost 15 years, so he wasn't a novice, but he had been with Paul for a period of time. But in that culture and at that time, 30 was pretty young to be a person in charge, especially when you have people who are older than you. And so he tells him, don't let anyone put you down because you are young. Later on, he says, don't rebuke an older man harshly, respect him as a father. And so there's this common theme that is taking place here. And that is not to treat people with that disrespect. It doesn't matter if they are doing that to you, but I don't want you to do that to them. Treat the older as fathers, the older women as mothers, the younger men as brothers, the younger women with, as sisters with absolute purity. And, and so there's supposed to be this attitude of encouragement that takes place. So that when you see someone, you don't put them down, but instead you would actually want to build them up. Because that is the point. We want to build people up. And, and Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. 
Think of other people as more important than yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you the interest of others. What would happen if we had that mindset? If you saw someone and you said, you know what? You're more important than me. I value your thoughts. I value who you are, and I want to do all that I can to help you, to achieve those things that are important to you. You see, this is supposed to be the mindset of Christ. This is supposed to be how we behave. But people were looking at Timothy, and they were putting him down. They were not liking his being a person who is responsible over them. And none of us like people being over us in authority, for the most part. It all depends on the people and how they leverage that authority, but no one likes to be looked down upon. And Paul is telling Timothy, just because you're young, don't let them look down on you. For us who are older, it's hard saying that, uh, for those of us who are older, When younger people come up to us and give us their ideas, we need to be open. We need to be receptive. We need to see their ideas as important. We need to think of them as more important than ourselves. We shouldn't be thinking, you're just a kid. Wait till you've learned like I have. You've been through the experiences that I've been through. You see, the world is being shaped right now especially, and it's by younger people. Facebook, Google, Two of the things that are probably dominating the social world right now were products of people who were young, in their 20s. And if you don't listen, then pretty soon you're going to find yourself being left at the train station. You know, years ago, probably 40 years ago or so, playing a guitar or electric guitar or drums at a church was just anathema. It was cursed. It was of the devil. There were no churches that were using the music that we have today. They all looked at it as worldly. Oh, that's that's sensual, that's bad. And today, it's common. Imagine if someone back then, when a young person came up to a pastor, and I'm sure they did, hey, can we play a guitar in church? No, no, we don't do that in church. We have holy music. Oh, is that what you call it? Okay. I don't play holy music. I like this music. And you see, there were a lot of people in authority that said, no, no, no. For years they said no, and all of a sudden they couldn't say no anymore because everyone was saying yes. But because they didn't listen to those who were younger, they were left on the train station, the train took off and all they could do was wave goodbye. That's still happening. If we don't recognize that there is still momentum in society and it's still moving and if we get set in our ways of how we have to do things, then we will miss the boat. And the people will continue moving on and we'll hold our ground and we'll stay there. You know, you see this again when I I went to Mexico. They're very traditional. Some of the churches, you don't clap. It's an unwritten rule. 
kind of strange, you know. No, you're like, yeah. <laughs> that was a good point. It's just not acceptable. If you smoke a cigarette in La Paz, what a terrible sinner you are. Can you imagine all the people who are alienated from hearing this good news just because they smoke? Or if they were to drink? Can't take the gospel to them. They have to come to you. There's a lot of things that I just see in place that if those walls were torn down, you would see just a flood of people start to embrace a message that was made for them, made for us. And so our traditions can, can limit us because of how we do things, because of how we've always done things. And we aren't to look down on those who are young. For those of you who are actually young. Hate you guys. No, um... You have ideas. And God is whispering in your ears of what church could be. But you think, oh no, no one would ever buy that. God is speaking to you. And you need to speak up. Don't let anyone put you down because you're young. No matter what the idea is. Because God is working in every generation and you have a voice or you should. And we need your voice. We need you to shape the future. And so we want to make room for you to shape the future. And that's why we're going to have some times where you can come and give input and ideas. I want to hear from you. Of course, you can always buy me a cup of coffee and I'll listen to you. Um, I'd love to hear those things that are going on in your heart and your mind. And I'll buy the coffee. But don't let anyone put your voice down. We are to have the mind of Christ and think of others as more important than ourselves. We are to maintain these things. And you see, when someone does look down on you, when someone does ostracize you, you know, when people think of me in a negative way and they don't like the way I do things and they don't like some of the things we're involved with and they think, you know, you're not doing things the way you should, it's not traditional. How am I supposed to respond? How are you supposed to respond when people are against you or looking down on you? And he tells them, be an example for them in speech and in conduct and in love, in faith and in purity until I come. Devote yourself to public reading of scripture, to preaching which is proclaiming, teaching which is explaining. And so how you live is vital because it's not just what you say, it's what you are doing in your speech and how you communicate. You know, it's real easy to blast people who blast you, but you need to take the higher ground. And your conduct, the things that you do, make sure that the way you're living is in line with who you are or who you're supposed to be. 
in love, think of those people who are putting you down as more important than yourself. How can I help them? Dirty, rotten people. I need to have a mindset that sees them as important. Years ago, when I was playing worship at a church and I was leading worship, there was an older gentleman who used to stand at the back of the church. He was one of the ushers. And I would be playing. And I'd be you know, practicing right before the church would start. And he'd be standing in the back of the church like this. And he would come up to me and he would say that my music was killing him. And so I, I played more, hoping... No, I didn't. Uh, literally, he said, your, your music is like death. It's deafening to me. I was like, oh, thank you. God bless you. But you see, this, this gentleman was a diabetic and... Every now and then when his blood sugar would, would go down, he would have these seizures and you'd have to go and give him some orange juice, feed it into his mouth. And I can remember after one of these episodes with him where he came up to me and he just said how much he really didn't appreciate my music. I remember thinking, man, I just had some comments in my head. I can do that. I, I, can, I can shoot some bullets out there every now and then. And... and as I was thinking these things, I just felt this force of God on me saying, watch how you treat him, because however you treat him is how you treat me. And I was like, ah, oh, darn it. It was a good one. I could have really... And so every time I would see him, he was my litmus test. He was my, how you treat him is how you treat me. And every time I'd see him, it's like, oh, there he is. Okay, I can do this, you know. <laughs> how you doing, man? Good to see you. Are you playing this way? Yeah. <laughs> like every Sunday, you know. <laughs> and then he had a seizure when he was at his apartment. And he died. He didn't recover from that. And I can remember looking back on all those times and interactions with him and what God brought back to my mind were all the times that I, I cradled his head and poured orange juice into his lips and helped him to get out of that seizure. And the Lord said, thank you. That's how we're to treat people. It's more important than ourselves. And so when we go to Mexico and we see these pastors who are, are poor and are doing all they can to just get by. And, you know, been to a few of their churches. I mean, there's not a whole lot there. And we need to see them as important. What can we do to help them? And I'm grateful that we as a community are doing something to help them. That we're taking ourselves and investing there. And it's not just in what we say, but it's in conduct and it's in love. And we go through scripture, we proclaim the gospel, we explain it, and we don't neglect what God is doing in us. He, he tells us that we're to be diligent. Now, diligent isn't a word I, I 
tend to like, but we have to be careful that we don't get lazy intellectually, that we have to give ourselves wholly to them so that everyone can see our progress, not just the people in our family, everyone. The people outside of our community need to see what we do because they're tired of hearing about what we believe and not seeing the things that we do. And to have knowledge about God but not have the character of Christ is a dangerous thing. And a lot of people have the knowledge of God, but they don't have the character of God. And the world looks at that and they say, I don't want that. I don't, it's not palatable to me. I, I'm rejecting this because it doesn't mesh. And so we have to have the information, the knowledge, understanding of God, but we also have to have the heart of God and the character of God to put these two things together. And we need to be diligent that we do these things We need to persevere in them. We need to make sure that how we live matches what we're doing. Verse 16, he says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch how you live and watch what you believe. They go hand in hand. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. You can know the right things your doctrine, but if you love the wrong things, you will make the wrong decisions. Life and doctrine have to go together. There's a lot of people who know the right things, but they love the wrong things. And it brings detriment to them and to the people around them. But if you will watch how you live, the things that you love, the things that you give yourself to, and the things that you believe, if you keep your mind in the things that are there in Scripture, then it's going to be something that brings health. In fact, he says, if you persevere in them, if you do, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Now, the word save, again, here's a word in the Christian community that always means salvation from hell. But that's not what this word means. This word means make whole. It has to do with healthy. You see, if you will live and love the right way and know the right things, then you will be whole and you will be able to bring wholeness not only to yourself, but to the people around you. And so the the people who are fragmented and and are hurting and who are, are battling with loneliness and who are battling with depression and who are struggling in different areas and addictions, these people need to know the right things, but they need to have someone who's living the right things too. They have to have someone who loves them and thinks better of them than maybe the world around them. I got to talk to young couple uh, about someone who I know, a young lady who is a lesbian. And she has gone through some difficult things. She, her father was abusive, had an uncle who molested her, had some boyfriends who took advantage of her. She, she lived a hard life. And then she found a, a, another woman who actually cared about her, and that was to her This is my saving force. This is what brings me some solace. It brings me this idea of love. Because I've experienced a lot of bad things, and this seems a lot better. 
And then the, the Christian comes there and says, you need to leave your living in sin and you need to stop it. And you're asking her to leave the only thing she knows that's been good in her life because you say so, because your Bible tells you to do. And if you see her mindset, it's going to be, I can't leave this. This is what I know. But you see, if you could show love that is better, as the psalmist declares, your love, O Lord, is better than life. If we could demonstrate a love that is complete and whole, and if we could bring the love that God has and has demonstrated through Jesus in a clear way to her through our lives, in our love and care for her, then we could bring wholeness to her. But we have to have it. Because why should she leave this if she doesn't see anything better in us? Are we showing something better? Are our lives a demonstration of the magnitude of God's love? Are we seeing others as more important than ourselves and having this mind to care not for our own things but to take interest in them, to actually care about them as human beings? as people and not as objects. Well, this is a trophy. I can, you know, get this person, win them to Christ and then move on to the next person. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus invested his life. And he's called us to do that as well. He wants us as a community to demonstrate the love of God in the things that we believe and in the things that we do and how we live. We have opportunity to do that as a community, and we want to develop more opportunities because people will not live or leave what they're living until they see something else that's better. And we are to be that something else. We are to be those other things. We are to live those lives. And so we are committed to these things. We are committed to knowing the truth of Scripture, to proclaiming them, to explaining them. We're we're committed to making sure that everything that we do is with the right attitude, that our life and our conduct work hand in hand together. We're going to be diligent in these things. Diligence means you have to spend time. You have to put effort. It doesn't just happen. And if we want to see our communities change, We need to be diligent. We need to persevere. We need to not neglect these things. We need to make the effort to see them take place. And so this next coming year, we're committed to doing these things as best we can. And I hope you'll join us and be a part of this. And I hope together we can make a difference. Because I don't want to tell someone what's wrong with them. I want to live what's right for them. I'll let God do the other work. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I don't know why Christians feel it's their place to do so. 
but that the world through me might be saved. And so let's show them what salvation looks like. Let's live lives that are whole so that people can see and say, what do you have? I I really want that. Because that speaks louder than any sermon, than any preaching. Living a life that esteems others is more important. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you for this, this time again with my family here at Genesis and all the things that you have just encouraged me in over the last 10 days or so. And Father, you, you've stirred my heart and you've shown me that I, I need to do more and I need to not neglect some of these things and I need to be diligent in other matters. And so, Lord, I recognize these things and Lord, I want to commit myself to them. I want to persevere in them. And Lord, us as a community, Lord, these are the most generous people. And I thank you for everyone here, Lord. And I pray that we would all together take the next step in learning and living the way you want us to, Lord. Lord, because it's not just about the money. It's not just about what we know. It really is about how we love and how we care. And help us, Lord, to just not get stuck, to not be in a mold of how church is supposed to be done. May we break down those barriers. May our eyes be open to see and hear with the things you're speaking into the hearts of your people that make up your body. Thank you for this time, Lord. Bless our time together tonight as we remember you in communion. Lord, may you enrich our lives with your presence continually. And we do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.